0: What we do, we just and we swarm. We play together and uh, we care about each other. And it makes it easy to go out there and fight.
1: CCR 78, September twenty third,
2: 2009. This edition of Catgrave Radio is brought to you by NFL News and Rumors. The news never sleeps and neither does NFL News and Rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL News and Rumors at NFLNR.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams,
3: 30. 25,
1: 10, 5, hot star! 89's in the building.
4: Still on a mission, though. Still on a
2: mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, our guest is Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald. Big Nick gives us a Panthers fan's perspective. The cowboy Van speaks for the enemy and legendary Panther Mike Minter joins us for the Minterview. We also have a recap of the loss to the Falcons.
3: First and five at the 24. Ryan looking down the seam. Gonzalez, touchdown. Jake DeLone jabs at the turf with his left foot, sending a man in motion. D'Angelo Williams doesn't like the middle. Goes left, <laughs> uses a stiff arm. He will score left side. Snap the man. He'll look inside. That's Snelling at the five. Jason Snelling in Atlanta. Touchdown. Here's Ryan, first and goal, inside route. Is it a touchdown? It is for Ronnie White. Gonzalez right, now Peel will come to that side. Singer the tight end to the left. They give this to Turner, and he will score standing. Ryan Khalil snaps it to Jake right now. The dig fades back. Backside pressure coming, Galone into the end zone. It is complete, but the ball pops loose. Panthers That's fall on it, Rosario, but they're going to say touchdown. Williams in the backfield. Galone the throw, looks. Sets. back here to the left side, it's intercepted, Chris Houston, go over with the gun, up in the pocket, he'll throw deep, Federer is in the end zone, grounds back there, and they got it down, Jarrett almost made a catch of it. The final 28-20, the Falcons go to 2-0, the Panthers winless in two games.
2: Now, bubble your chin straps, because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host
1: for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Well, first, it was Jake DeLome and the offense melting down. Then, it's the defense. What more can we say? I suppose we can utter words we absolutely did not want to be uttering at this point of the season. Oh, and 2. What's worse is that New Orleans continues to look dominant... While Atlanta didn't look so bad up close, they're both now 2-0, and and our Panthers are two games back in the division. Ouch. Damian Lewis summed it up like this.
0: I really feel like we got better this week, but we got a ways to go of getting there. And you know, I think it's coming together, and I think once we get hot, we're going to be hot. You know, we got 14 games to play. There's no need to hold your head down now. So I think we got an opportunity to really be good and really get this thing together and get it rolling.
1: It's going to take a lot of work to write this ship. Despite the loss, John Beeson says he was proud of one thing.
0: It's kind of one of those games where you just got to line up and make plays and, um, you know, a lot of one-on-one battles that needed to be won. Um, I'm proud of the team, how we responded. I think we played tough, and which is encouraging because in this league, if you're not tough, you're not going to be anything.
1: The Panthers showed some improvements, but the problem is they aren't hitting on all cylinders which is one prescription to cure what ails them, according to Dante Rosario.
5: We just have to keep making strides to get better, I think. Um, we have a great team, we have a group, good group of guys, and there's no quit in this team, so that's something that we have on our side, and we just need to put a full game together.
1: It certainly isn't going to get any easier. At least, the next opponent is showing a weakness as Tony Romo put up some pretty nasty numbers on Sunday night. And maybe that's a bad sign, too, since he'll be ready to prove to everybody, including his ex-girlfriend Jessica Simpson, that he ain't that bad. Up next, a Monday night date at the Taj Mahal Jones for the Panthers as they face the Cowboys.
3: There's no consolation prizes in this league, you either win or you lose. And, uh, there's no doubt it was a disappointing loss for our football team, but you know there's... No cupcakes in this league, I, you know. No matter whose schedule we look at, so uh, we'll have a work cut out for
1: us. Time now for our Panther preview. Joining us is Nick Yeoman. We've talked him down off the ledge one week. Is he back on the ledge this week? Nick, are you there?
4: Yeah, I'm here. I'm back for another therapy session, John. Let's uh, let's talk about everything that's all that's wrong in our lives right now.
1: All right. Well, maybe I should do my Kramer. You know, uh, I'm listening.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's a lot to talk about and a lot of things that uh, that this Panther football
5: team needs to adjust.
1: All right, why not? we got to start with the guy that gave us all heartburn week one, Jake DeLome, and didn't look terrible against Atlanta. So the question is, is good Jake back?
4: I, I don't know if, if good Jake, really good Jake, is ever going to be back. I, I mean, I think you can't just judge from one game. One game's just not enough for me to... To say that, oh, Jake DeLum's back, everything will be fine. We got a great football team. He did play well, though. I mean, he he took care of the football. Uh, he made smart decisions up until that, you know, the interception. I really. I don't really pin that on him because it, it wasn't a good throw, but he was just trying to force something, trying to make something happen late there in the game. Um, the, the interesting thing for me, though, is the fact that offensive coordinator Jeff Davidson let him throw the ball 41 times. I mean, okay, Jake Delhomme's in a slump. He's had two bad games, so we're going to have him throw the ball more? I'm not quite sure if that's the answer, um, but, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. Jake played well, managed the game, um, and unfortunately, the team as a whole just didn't make enough plays to uh, pick up a win against the Falcons.
1: All right, which brings us to the defense and the guys who probably are going to take the heat this week. Now, is the defense a liability?
4: I I think it is, absolutely. There was no pass rush against Matt Ryan and the Falcons, no sacks. Um, and I think it's become a big liability. Obviously, Lewis Leonard goes down with an injury, and uh, Chris Harris didn't play again. I think Charles Godfrey's been really disappointing. I don't know if, if that hand injury is preventing him from, from doing what he does best, but but you know, I think a lot of us expected Charles Godfrey to emerge and really become a, a solid football player in year two, and I haven't seen it. And then, of course, you know, the guys that, that seems like they're kind of collecting their checks for, for a couple of this, for reasons. Chris Gamble, who's getting a big payday, I don't really know, that, I don't really know if he's being used correctly in uh, Ron Meek's cover two defense. And then Julius Peppers, hello, where are you at? I mean, what was it, two tackles, no sacks, sitting on the bench in some key situations. Uh, that's disappointing. So, yeah, this defense – is a liability, and uh, a lot of it, you know, John, we've talked about this before, maybe it's an issue of, of picking up this new scheme and running with it, and maybe uh, they're, they're not quite well-adjusted to it yet, but uh, I, I haven't seen it so far, and I uh, I think the question of whether that defense is a liability, I think the answer is certainly yes right now.
1: I hate to cut you off here. I'm, I'm getting another call. It's I, I think this is Kanye calling to talk to me about how great Matt Ryan is. Um, <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, hey, listen, Jake Delome, I love you and all, I love you, but 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 Matt Ryan's gonna be the best quarterback in the NFC South ever, right? Is
1: that what he says? Yeah, something like that, I think it was. Um, maybe he's gonna tell us how great Beyonce is, but uh, okay, injuries. We uh, we had a few guys dinged up. We seem to be a little thinner now. So can you update us a little bit on the injury situation?
4: Well, the Lewis Leonard one that we just touched on, I mean, it was it was just nasty when you saw it. You knew that that wasn't good. And, of course, here we go again, another defensive tackle going down. He has a broken ankle, uh, obviously done for the year. Uh, Brad Hoover uh, had to check out of the game. I guess I heard his back tightened up. And then there's some other guys that that were. It's really unclear of whether they're going to play against Dallas on Monday night. Chris Harris is one that the Panthers need Chris Harris back because the secondary they need uh, that guy back there that they can crack some skulls and really lace some big hits, force some fumbles. Chris Harris really, I mean, just great at forcing fumbles last year. So it, it's un- we're unsure if if, if he's going to be back. And then also Nick Hayden who uh, who missed the game against Atlanta. Uh, i read that john fox obviously he's going to release more details about the injuries on thursday but it's really unclear but these injuries certainly stacking up and then steve smith of course was a little shooken up and i think all panthers fans had to hold their breath there uh but thankfully thankfully it looks like uh smitty's going to be okay
1: let's hand out a couple of grades not that they're going to all be pretty but we'll start with (laughs) let's start with the defense uh what's what's the grade on this
4: I, i think give the defense a d d for defense i mean they made a couple of plays uh the richard marshall interception was nice but but really no pass rush and when you can't get any pass rush when you got a guy like julius peppers that's really disappointing but when you can't get any pass rush that secondary gets picked apart matt ryan threw for three touchdowns uh michael turner went over 100 yards so i think i have to give the defense a d
1: and the grade for the offense
4: Oh, great for the offense. It's certainly better than the – week ago, that's not saying a whole lot. I'm going to give them a C. Uh, the mistakes against Philly weren't – the execution wasn't great. I still just can't get over the fact that D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart combined for 25 carries, and we let Jake alone throw the ball 41 times. So uh, just, there's just some ins and outs that need to be cleaned up. But the offense did make strides. I'll give you that. Making strides doesn't win you football games, though. Uh, so I'm be offensive
1: C. And then we've got D'Angelo fumbling for the first time and I think five hundred and twelve carries, which is amazing. But okay, we're in the 0-2 hole now. Can we recover? Can we can we make it to the playoffs after that?
5: I, I don't know.
4: I, I really I don't think I'm in a position to answer that. John you know, John Fox teams are resilient. We've seen it time and time again. To- whether it's injuries, whether it's poor starts. John Fox seems like he gets the guys fired up, motivated, they're resilient. Um, But at the same time, it's different year from year. Just because John Fox was able to get a team a couple years ago to fight through some injuries doesn't mean that's going to happen this year. Um, uh, that schedule though when you look at that schedule with the way the Panthers have played so far there's no Detroit and Oakland stretch on there where you're like oh okay they're going to get a couple wins there that are going to help them in the standings and help them maybe make a run to the playoffs Um, so right now if I had to answer it I'd say no I really don't think that this team is, is capable of making the playoffs the way they've played so far but at the same time we're only 0-2, and and there's 14 more games to play. There's plenty of time to go on a run and to figure some things out, but uh, one more loss, you lose to Dallas, you could be in a big hole, and and then you might have to write them off for good.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Dallas, what a great gift we receive after starting off the season this way and starting 0-2. We get to go to the big uh well i guess we could call it the tajma jones and
0: <laughs> yeah
1: we get to play the cowboys lucky us so how does our offense stack up against that cowboy defense
4: with defense, they're in the bottom bottom quarter of the league. I mean, they have not played well so far. Um, I think the Panthers have to run the football. I mean, I think that offensive line, I think Panthers fans are really hoping that they can come out with some attitude and can come out and, and open up holes and let double trouble and get the opportunities to break things open. At the same time, though, Jake has to be solid in the passing game because that Dallas secondary is not very good. I mean, you watch Eli Manning with some subpar wide receivers just pick that Cowboys secondary apart. So if Jake can make some decent decisions, get the ball to Steve Smith, I think the offense has a chance to uh, continue to make those strides and keep the team in the game.
1: And this new defense, the Ron Meeks defense, uh, we're going up against a guy who is coming off a Jake DeLome-esque performance against the Giants. Uh, How do we stack up against their offense?
4: Well, it all starts with the pass rush. I mean, we've seen it. If you get up in Jake DeLome's face, he's going to make poor decisions. And Tony Romo, a similar quarterback. If you get pressure on Tony Romo, he doesn't make the best decisions throwing the football downfield. Um, I think the Panthers are going to catch a break. I heard today Marion Barber uh, with the, uh, the injury that he sustained in the Giants game is going to be out for a couple weeks, so the Panthers won't have to face him. That doesn't mean that the running game is not going to be an option for the Cowboys because the Shard Choice and Felix Jones are both... I mean, they've proven so far they can get it done. So the Panthers, they just have to play solid defensively and make some plays. But I think it starts up front. It starts with a defensive line, that thin defensive tackle spot. And Julius Peppers, please show up, make some plays, and earn your big paycheck.
1: And finally, here's your chance. Tell us something good. Um, you know, give us a prediction for the big trip to Big D.
4: Well, I really think that if Dallas would have beaten the Giants on Sunday night, you know, been 2-0 and and maybe slept on the 0-2 Panthers, I would have liked our chances. But Dallas wants to win in that new stadium badly. I mean, they they thoroughly outplayed the Giants on on Sunday night. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, some just ill-timed turnovers really hurt them. So I think Dallas is a darn good football team. And I don't think the Panthers are quite playing well enough to get a win over a team like Dallas. They're playing well enough that they could beat Tampa Bay. You know, they could beat some of the the subpar teams in the league. I think Dallas is a uh, pretty solid squad. I know John Beeson took the loss to Atlanta personal. I just don't know if everyone else on the team did as well. Um, so, John, I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys with the pick.
1: Well, that's unfortunate, but I, I guess I'm leaning that way too, as most of us are. But we'll get our therapy, and hopefully this time next week we're talking about a W, so maybe that'll happen.
4: Well, I'll tell you what. It is going to be a long two weeks for the bye week leading up to that Washington game if the Panthers are 0-3, isn't it?
1: It Oh, oh the longest. Well, Nick, we... Um, you know, we, we appreciate you joining us, and if we can talk you into it, if you'll stick around for a boomer bust and maybe a pick'em segment, you know.
4: I'd love to. You know, boomer bust and pick'em, uh, that brightens my day. It gets me excited because, let's be <laughs> honest, breaking down how this team has played in the first couple of weeks, is uh, it's a little depressing at
1: times. Coming up, we'll be visiting with the enemy, and Panthers legend Mike Minter will join us for another installment of the Minterview. Up next, it's our conversation with Darren Gantz. It's the show not hosted by
2: Ned Flanders. That's a dilly of a pickle. Really, it's not Ned Flanders.
1: Okily-dokily.
2: Whatever. CCR will return.
0: This is Joe Perry and Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000 pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive.
4: Who won the Jaded You?
0: A reminder
2: that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation,
1: National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. It's time to play the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time. For Boomer Bust, joining us to play the game is YouTube video blogger or vid maker guy, Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game?
4: Yeah, I am, John. Let's do these Boomer Busts.
1: We'll start you with Joe Flacco versus the Browns.
4: Well, Joe Flacco's playing the Browns, which means this has to be a boom. I mean, he's, he's not going to be the type of quarterback that's going to thread that needle, dissect your defense, pick you apart. He's going to make smart decisions, and when the time comes, he can chuck it deep. He's got the arm strength. That's what I expect from Flacco next Sunday, so I'll say boom.
1: Chris Johnson versus the Jets.
4: Well, Chris Johnson had a monster game and a loss against the Texans, but I don't think he'll have the same success against Rex Ryan's New York Jets defense. They did a great job slowing down the Patriots, and I think they'll be just fine against Chris Johnson, uh, so I think Chris Johnson's a bust.
1: Tom Brady versus the Falcons.
4: This is a boom. That Atlanta secondary is one of the few weaknesses that the Falcons actually do have, and I'd say that's good news for Brady in the Pats. Uh, The way Brady moves the ball around, multiple receivers should keep that Falcon's secondary guessing, so I'm going to say Brady's a boom.
1: Clinton Portis versus the Lions.
4: Well, Clinton Portis is going to have a field day against Detroit. Jim Zorn is the type of coach that he's going to feed him the ball, time and time again until the defense shows any signs of stopping it that may be that may be a cause for concern long term for portis if he wears down uh but i don't think the lions can slow him down portis is a boom this week
1: matt hasselbeck versus the bears
4: well this one's going to be interesting because it's really unclear whether matt hasselbeck is going to be healthy enough to play um i think even if he does play though he's a bust uh he just got banged up in the game against the 49ers Brian lacquer? no Brian lacquer. That Bears defense is going to pound you, and I expect Hasselbeck to struggle against the Bears if he does play with a broken rib.
1: Marquez Colston versus the Bills.
4: Well, pretty much any wide receiver that's catching football from Drew Brees is a boom, in my opinion. Colston's one of Brees' top targets, and I'm not sure if Buffalo can slow him down. I'm going to say boom.
1: And to our matchup. Tony Romo versus our Panthers.
4: I think Romo's the boom against the Panthers on Monday night. Matt Ryan was able to throw for three touchdowns last week, and I'm just not sure if Ron Meeks can drastically change this secondary up and uh, you know throw different schemes in one week to stop Tony Romo. They really need to get Chris Harris back to provide that over the top help and uh, and some swagger on the defense until I see otherwise. The secondary's the bust. Romo's the boom.
1: D'Angelo Williams versus the Cowboys.
4: Well, I really, truly think that D'Angelo breaks out this week against the Cowboys. I saw a lot of missed tackles by the Cowboys, linebackers and secondary, against the Giants on Sunday night. And nobody, nobody in the league makes you pay for missed tackles quite like D'Angelo does. I'm going to say boom.
1: Felix Jones versus our Panthers.
4: I think Felix Jones is going to be a bust. I mean, he's going to be split in time with Tashard Choice. Uh, not going to be split in time with Marion Barber this week. He is a dynamic running back. If you get him open in field, he can really make you miss. And then also you got to factor in what he can do in the punt and kick return game. I think the Panthers, though, they're going to have their eye on Felix Jones. I think he's a bust.
1: And finally... Jake Delome, your favorite quarterback versus the Cowboys.
4: He is my favorite quarterback. I'll give Jake some credit. He wasn't awful against the Atlanta Falcons, but I still have no faith that he can carry this team. Statistically, the wins, he's scrappy, he's fiery. he's a nice guy. That's what we love about him. But I don't think he's that great of a quarterback anymore. I'm gonna have to play it safe and say bust.
1: Well, we appreciate you playing the game with us once again, Nick.
4: Hey, I appreciate you having me on, John We're going to do it again. We're going to play millionaire.
1: Today, it's how to become a millionaire in only one week. Our contestant is Julius Peppers. Julius, let's take a look at your performance versus the Atlanta Falcons. Well, we've got you standing on the sidelines during a critical portion of the third quarter. Meanwhile, the defense continues to unravel, giving up a total of 23 first downs, 151 yards rushing, 220 yards passing, and 28 points. And checking your stat line, we have two tackles, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries, and no sacks for a grand total of $500,000 per tackle. We're checking with the judges now. I'm sorry, Julius, but that was the wrong answer. We were looking for five or more tackles, a forced fumble, and or an interception along with three sacks. But we'll see you back here next week after your trip to Dallas, Julius, when we play another round of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
2: They're your favorite team, Panthers fans. This show is for you. Now back to more Cat Crave Radio.
1: Joining us now is Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald. We seem to have caught Darren at an interesting time. It was, I think, Triple Coupon Day. Darren, thanks for joining us.
4: That's right. Uh, Tuesday's Grocery Day, and when Harris Teeter's throwing the triple coupons, actually, you got to take advantage.
1: That's right. It's a tough economy. We have to take care of ourselves, don't
4: we? <laughs> No, no kidding, no kidding. How you doing, John?
1: Doing great, Darren. We hope you are. Especially the way the season started, oh uh, and two. I mean, one terrible performance followed by better, but still another L at Owen two. Can the season be salvaged now?
4: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think it's way too early to you know start screaming the sky is falling. I mean, it's still. You know, we talked about this back in training camp, you and know, I, John, and I think what we're dealing with here is just the outgrowth of expectations. I think, you know, last year in a lot of ways for the Carolina Panthers broke absolutely perfectly. Everything, you know, there were a few minor injuries, but there weren't the big devastating ones. They stayed pretty healthy, you know, and they had offensive line depth to cover the little ones they got there. But this year, I mean, it's almost the opposite. I mean, everything's breaking just wrong right now, and it's just kind of a a tough spot to be in, coupled with the fact that, you know, right out of the chute, they played a Philadelphia team that was fired up, you know, was going to play great defense week one, show a lot of things they hadn't shown. They've got a first-year coordinator playing with the emotional bump they get. You know, trying to win one for Jim Johnson, their late defensive coordinator, too. And, and then to go down in Atlanta, where the, the Panthers have always struggled traditionally. I think it's 4-11 uh, and 11 now all-time in the Georgia Dome. And, you know, oh, by the way, that Falcons team's pretty good. So, you know, it, it was just kind of a perfect storm of things happening all at once. But the bottom line is they got to fix a bunch of stuff, and they got to fix it quick, because going into Dallas this week's not going to be any picnic either.
1: Well, you mentioned a lot of things to fix, and they do have some issues to resolve, especially with new injuries at defensive tackle. That's another big hole. Uh, well, it's a hole that's reopened, if you will. But And the players, you know how they... Oh, they, well, off season. oh yeah. and they, I mean, these guys are going to talk. They, they, they want to give you the company line, and they want to sound like everything's cool, but do you sense that they are panicking at all, even if they are telling you they're not?
4: No, I, I don't know that panic's the right word, because that implies that you don't know what the next step is. There is no possible solution. I, I don't think that's what's happening. I, I think this is more along the lines of, you know, they're in a spot, and, and whatever you want to call it. They're in a place uh, that nobody w- would sign up for right now. I mean, if they're in the process. I mean, here we are at lunchtime on Tuesday. They're working out some big bodies. They've got Antoine Burton is in here working out. He's one of the names that they're taking a look at, and that should just show you they are not going after big-ticket items. I mean, there are they're veteran guys out there, and I just don't know that that's a the move they're looking to make right now. They're just going to try to keep going young. I mean, they've tried to fill those defensive tackle spots young all offseason. They put a lot of faith in Nick Hayden, you know, which may or may not have been misguided. You know, and then they put a lot of faith in, in Lewis Leonard, and and now he's out for the year with a broken ankle. So it's just, I think it's going to be a scramble to get those two spots filled all year long. I mean, Damian Lewis is the definition of a solid pro, but he needs some help, and I I fear the worst for Damien if he has to continue playing sixty five, seventy, seventy five percent snaps the way it looks like for him early, because he's just not cut out to take that kind of beating. He's always been a guy who's better off when when he's a, a, a part of a rotation, and and I think he's in a spot now where there's not anybody to rotate with. I mean, it was, you know, Sonny Harris was the third active defensive tackle the other day, and I saw him out there maybe, yeah, maybe 10 snaps, something along those lines, and that's just too many for Damien over the long haul, and, and you hope that he can keep his legs underneath him, or else, you know, then it is going to be a full-bore disaster inside.
1: But here's a question that has been asked, and I suppose we ask this rhetorically, maybe we know and maybe we don't, but during all of this drama that played out with Julius Peppers in the offseason, uh, wanting out, finally coming back, and re-signing or signing his tender to remain with the team, did he know something that the rest of us didn't know? In terms of... well, Did he know something about the team? Did he see teammates that weren't really cut out for this did i mean did he know oh, something I, about i
4: think julius is i think Julius's decision i mean to to play this thing the way he played it was based all about julius i mean he's he said in no uncertain terms i mean he said i don't care what fans think you know i'm not here i mean it, this one's on julius he he wanted to get out of charlotte as much as he wanted to get out of the carolina panthers and, and i just think His situation, I wouldn't say, is related to anything going on with the team. I mean, if you look at it, a man complaining about the way he was used and not up to his capability. Well, playing defensive end in a Tampa 2 defense like Ron Meeks brought here should be perfect because that should be the vehicle to, to showcase the thing that he does best, which is rush the passer. Now, I will say this. And I think lost in all the. This week it's Julius' turn in the barrel, and everybody's criticizing him just like it was Jake the week before. But one thing I will say in defense of Julius, I've always thought Julius is a better run player than he is against the past. But he should. I mean, when you pay the man a million dollars a week, there's an expectation of more plays. You can't go into Atlanta and leave with two tackles, no sacks, no pressure. I mean, that's just unacceptable from a financial standpoint, given what they've invested in him. But I, I had to say that he, you know, wanted out because he saw this thing going the wrong way. I don't know if I'd go along with that.
1: Yeah, and I was about to ask you if I or any of us missed something from Julius on Sunday. I mean, first he's standing on the sidelines in the third quarter in a game that's still very winnable you know, got swallowed up out there on, on you know on his side. It seemed like he he disappeared. I mean and then the and two, you know, a lot of people made a big deal about the plays he made against Philadelphia, but from what I saw it looked like he actually stepped up his game after it was it was a done deal. The only thing we didn't know was the final score and suddenly here's Julius. You know, Julius well, shows up and
4: Now granted, the sack did come when things were out of hand. And I think you know, again, this is where this is almost a no win situation for Julius Peppers here this year because in any week when he doesn't have three sacks, people are going to point at him and say, well, you know, you didn't get your million dollars worth that week. And I think to a degree that's unfair to Julius. Obviously, they expect more of him. But I was looking some stuff up last night, and the guy he gets compared to, you know, not favorably in a lot of quarters around here is Jared Allen up in minnesota jared allen had the exact same number of sacks julius had last year but if you look inside their numbers if you look at their game by game production jared allen had seven games last year where he didn't have a sack julius had six so i mean sacks come and sacks go and and when you're talking about these pass rush guys it's not gonna be an every week deal. They are not going to get a sack every week. If they did, they would break every record in the book. I mean, that's just the way those numbers are gonna work. You just gotta kinda of look at it as a as a cumulative deal and I think you know, I think on the whole, Julius is still on a spot to have a good season. I just think everybody's kinda of freaking out right now because, you know, coupled with 0 and two and a and million dollars a game, things aren't looking like what they expected.
1: Okay, I'll give you a statement. You tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, All right. Let's start with last week's target, like you said, uh, Jake DeLome. The statement is, Jake DeLome is still capable of leading the Panthers to the playoffs.
4: I think agree. Uh, I think, again, people people have made their mind up on Jake, and they're going to be one side or another. But the thing I've always said about Jake, and I've always believed, is Jake DeLome is all the quarterback a good team needs to win. And when I say that, I mean – he needs help. He needs a running game around him. He needs protection to keep his feet underneath him. The book on Jake is out. I mean, when you pressure Jake, when you get in his face, when you make him hurry, that's when the mistakes come. But, I mean, good heavens, look at any quarterback in the league and tell me how many of them you can say that about. I mean, certainly they're saying it in Dallas this week about Tony Romo. There aren't very many quarterbacks in the NFL that can do it all by themselves. I mean, it's a pretty short list of guys like Brady, Manning, Rivers, Breeze, and not all that many more who you can point to and say, this guy doesn't need everything working perfectly to have a good game. And, and I think Jake's in that great middle class. Frankly, with guys like Tony Romo, who gets a lot of credit based on being a quarterback to the Dallas Cowboys, But I think, Jake, I mean, again, if they get the protection issues straightened out, if they continue to run the ball well, which they did okay the other day down in Atlanta, but not great, if they get that turned around, I I don't have any problem with Jake as quarterback.
1: I'll give you one more of those agree or disagree statements. You tell me what you think of this. The Panthers are still a playoff caliber team
4: hard. Um, they're in a pretty big hole right now. I mean, obviously, by now everybody knows the stats. 22 out of 160 teams that start. You know, 0-2 have made the playoff. I don't know. I still think they could but, but it's going to take a lot of getting things fixed on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think if, if there's an unfair expectation what we're talking about with Julius, I think the idea that Ron Meeks was just going to walk in here throw a switch and this defense was going to be fixed is right up there because it's going to take time. And a, and a reasonable expectation is that this was going to be a, an evolving product throughout the season. So, you know, that's something they got to get squared away. And I guess long answer... You know, short answer long, I would say maybe. I mean, because I just think it's impossible to tell right now because we don't know the rate at which they're going to progress defensively. I think there are enough parts there. You know, Ron Meeks has probably had playoff caliber defenses with less talent on him up in Indianapolis. But to me, there are several things standing out. Thomas Davis is having a good start to the season, but John Beeson's still in John Beeson. And I don't know if it's the knee or, or getting used to a new system and new responsibilities, but... This is not the John Beeson we've come to recognize over the last year, year and a half when he really started to exert himself on this team. So I think there's certainly a possibility they could still be a playoff team, but I don't you know, I don't think anybody feels as good about it as they did two weeks ago.
1: Now about that whole Gary Barnage thing, you know, not that I, I'm wanting to take that bet off the table, but
4: what was it you said in training camp, 50 catches? 35.
1: I went 35.
4: I, I thought it was 50. Now he's back no don't, <laughs> don't let him get away with this. We, we gotta Let's document this. I'll have to go back to my notes, John.
1: Well, I, I'm pretty sure it was 35, but and we never wagered anything, and it's probably a good thing because at this point I think I'd be paying you.
4: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. I mean, it's it's interesting watching them, you know, each week. You know, the first week Gary was out there for the first snap of the game, so you call him the starter. The second week it's Jeff King. And I think that's just going to go back and forth all year long. Uh, And really they've got three tight ends that if you considered them together – you know three guys turn them into one like some kind of megatron or something out of the cartoons i think that could be a pro bowl tight end because together you've got a good blocker you've got a good downfield threat and you've got a guy who's kind of a tweener but you know i just think the i just think the roles are so strictly defined right now they're going to have all three of those guys out there on the field in different situations and You know, you would think they would want to mix it up a little bit because certainly I'm no defensive coordinator, but I think you could probably make a pretty good guess as to what's coming based on which tight ends out there on the field. I mean, certainly they've got, you know, their run set with where they line up Dante Rosario in the backfield and Jeff on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they do different things from Gary's out there. So, you know, it's interesting the way they're using them. I just don't think there's ever going to be a time – with these three guys, where one of them just steps up and emerges as the guy and the other two are strictly backups. Well, I
1: hope one of those guys will step up. My guy just is letting me down. But, uh, Darren, we hey, appreciate
4: it. Gary's still a young guy. Gary's still a young yeah. guy and, and in yeah. a lot of ways, still growing into his body. I mean, here's a guy who's going to have to fight <laughs> to keep on late. You know, I hate him for that. I mean, certainly we'd all love to have that problem. But, Gary, eats all day. And is trying to get himself to a two forty five, two fifty, but I just don't know that that's his natural frame. So we'll see how that progresses for him. I think that's
5: going to be as big a challenge as anything with Gary is is staying the size he
1: needs to be. Yeah, just don't don't go to the buffet after him and Jeff Ota. <laughs>
4: Those, those are the big eaters if, uh, you know, those are some big boys. But, you know, Gary's trying to do it the smart way, and it's hard. But I just think naturally he's kind of a lean guy, and, and you know, he's working to keep it. He, he came out of college at 235 and just worked his tail off to get up to 244. And I think now he's trying to get from there to 250, and that, that might just be a struggle for him.
1: Well, Darren, we appreciate you uh, joining us. And if you know, if if I don't see you before then, if nothing else, we know we'll see you in the garden spot again, say, July or August of next year in Spartanburg.
4: Good Lord willing, in the creek don't rise, John. We'll be
1: there. All right. Thanks again, Darren. We appreciate it.
4: Anytime, buddy.
1: Don't click the stop button yet. We have more CCR coming
2: up. Fansided.com Sports Network.
3: You play to
2: win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we.
1: Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook.
2: Fansided.com. The number one pro sports blog network on the
1: internet. It is time now to pick some games. Joining us this week, it's Nick Yeoman. You all know Nick Yeoman from the uh, YouTube videos. Last week, uh, Nick went 9-7, and seven, had kind of a rough week, but right now sitting at 22-10 and 10 overall for the season. Nick, are you ready to pick some games for week three?
4: Yeah, let's try to bounce back. Had a lot of good teams, a lot of favored teams lose last week, so let's, uh, let's try to bounce back and, and uh, we'll try to hit over 75% here.
1: We'll start you with the Chiefs and Eagles.
4: Well, life without Donovan McNabb was not very good for the Philadelphia Eagles, but thankfully their defense gets to play Kansas City. Uh, I think the Eagles win big, whether it's Kevin Cobb, Jeff Garcia, Mike Vick, at quarterback. I like the Eagles to win.
1: Browns and Ravens.
4: Baltimore's back to playing that, you know, play defensive style we're all so used to seeing. They could bring a quarter of that intensity to and still beat the Cleveland Browns, so I got to take Baltimore.
1: Packers and Rams.
4: Well, Green Bay is way too good of a team to lose to teams like the Bengals, in opinion uh, like they did last Sunday. I think that young defense bounces back against the poor St. Louis Rams. The picks got to be Green Bay.
1: Niners and
4: Vikings. Well, I think the surprising Niners are going to be around all season, but or you know, he he's not going to have the same success that he had um, this previous. In Seattle when he's playing up against that Minnesota front. Um, I like Adrian Peterson and the Vikings this Sunday. I think they pick up the win and move to 3-0. and
1: Technically, the Titans versus the Titans, but now they're called the Jets.
4: Yeah, I don't think many expected the New York Jets to be the undefeated team in this matchup, but uh, they sure are. And Tennessee has a lot of pressure on them, and I don't really like the way that the coaches and players are responding, so I'm going to take the Jets for the win.
1: Falcons and Patriots.
4: Well, the Patriots could easily be zero and two instead of just one and one, and I think Bill Belichick is going to make the adjustments to have them ready to play um, against the impressive Atlanta Falcons. I think Tom Brady's going to show up, so I'm going to take New England at home. But uh, this should be a really interesting matchup.
1: Jaguars and Texans.
4: Well, it's it's unbelievable to think how the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars have gone from a consistent playoff team year in year out to an absolute embarrassment. I mean, Houston got the ball rolling with a division win over the Titans last week, and I see them doing the same to Jacksonville this Sunday.
1: Giants and Bucks.
4: The New York Giants football team didn't win pretty against the Cowboys on Sunday night, but they did win, and that's really all that matters. I I expect a much easier uh, time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday. I like the Giants with the win.
1: Redskins and Lions.
4: Matthew Stafford meet Albert Hainsworth. The the Lions are making strides. They're they're making strides. They're getting better, but still no win yet. I like the Skins for the win.
1: Bears and Seahawks.
4: Well, the Bears did what they had to do to avoid going 0-2 with an impressive win um, over the Steelers, but it's tough to play at Quest Field in Seattle. I think Seattle bounces back from the division loss to San Francisco. I think in a very competitive, close game, I think the Seahawks get the win.
1: Saints and Bills.
4: Well, it's hard not to be a believer in this Saints offense, and it's also hard not to be a believer or or a disbeliever in the defense. So expect a lot of, you know, 42 to 21 games involving the Saints this year, including this weekend. I think they pick up the win over the Bills and score a lot of points.
1: Dolphins and Chargers.
4: Well, both of these teams lost heartbreakers last week, but really only one of them is going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. That team is the San Diego Chargers. I like them at home over the Dolphins, who really, they've got some problems.
1: Broncos and Raiders.
4: Well, once again, another winnable game for the Broncos who opened with wins over powerhouses like Cincinnati and Cleveland, and now they get the Raiders? I don't know how that works. I actually think, though, Oakland is the better team in this matchup, and if they can generate any offense, I think they pick up the win over Denver.
1: Steelers and Bengals.
4: Well, the Steelers are always a tough, really tough after a loss, and that's what I expect. I think they'll bounce back. They're going to bring their A game and really take it to Cincinnati. I think the Bengals give them a better game than people expect, but I'm still going to go with the defending champs, the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Colts and Cardinals.
4: Well, we saw some vintage Peyton on Monday night when the Colts knocked off the Dolphins. I think it proves, once again, it doesn't matter if he's thrown off. And, and Wee we, Pierre Garçon. he can produce. I mean, I'm taking the Colts to pick up this win. It doesn't matter if they have the ball for 15 minutes or less. I think the Colts get the win.
1: And from the Department of Redundancy Department, we've got the Panthers and Cowboys. I know we've covered this already, but why not one more time?
4: Yeah, well, i got to go with the Cowboys. And it pains me to say that because I think if the Panthers fall to 0-3, and heading into the bye week, this is, is season is really on the brink of, uh, of spiraling out of control. I like Dallas to win this football game. I think the Panthers are going to bring their A game. They're going to do everything they can. But I just don't know if they're playing good enough football to win. So i got to pick the Cowboys, John.
1: Well, Nick, once again, we appreciate you uh, coming along with us for the ride to pick some games. And we'll continue to keep score.
4: Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for letting me play, John.
1: Are we biased? You better believe it. Welcome back
2: to Catgrave Radio.
1: Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. You know, we present information concerning our Carolina Panthers here every week, but there's never a dull moment. That's because the NFL news never sleeps, and neither does NFL news and rumors. No BS, no hype. NFL news and rumors at NFLNR.com.
5: Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. And it is a
3: play action. Throwing a fade to the right side to Whitten with a defender hanging on him. He caught it. Jason Whitten has the first touchdown reception at Cowboys Stadium.
1: It's time now to check in with the enemy. Who's our enemy this week? Wow, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And joining us to represent the Dallas Cowboys, it's Philip Baggett of DallasCowboysNation.com. Philip, thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: All right, we're going to start with your offense. Tony Romo right now is probably not getting the keys to the city in Dallas after the game he had. However, um, Barber and that running attack seem to do a really good job against the Giants. If you are game planning against the Carolina Panthers defense right now and you're running that offense, what would you be doing to attack them?
5: Well, I, I think what they got to do is, is stick with what they did through about the first three quarters against the Giants, which is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And I, I think they're going to have to go at the uh, middle of the field against, against the Panthers. we got a, a big enough offensive line to kind of handle that. And, you know, sh- short passing, nothing crazy. I think they just, they're going to have to get back to basics this week and just, just keep giving the ball to Barber and Jones and Choice and let the chips fall where they
1: may. Now, you guys have got a defense that really, on Sunday night, it was kind of scary to watch at times, the way that they handled the Giants' running game. It was um, it was actually pretty impressive. Now, with that defense and the, the run-stoppers you've got, you've actually got a lot of talent out there, despite the fact that at times you know, maybe they've been a little maligned. What would you expect that defense to do against Jake DeLome, Steve Smith, and the Carolina running game?
5: Well, I think uh, what they're going to have to do is, you know, a lot of what they did Sunday night, you know, they're going to have to account for D'Angelo Smith uh, and Jonathan Stewart and try to do somewhat what they did to the Giants and, and force DeLome to carry the team and to, between him and Steve Smith. The only thing that concerns me there is everybody saw what Eli was able to do with uh, a group of nobody wide receivers, as they, as they like to say. So that's a little concerning for me. We have to get uh, better play from our secondary. They were not good Sunday night at all. If they, if they don't improve uh, from, from their performance Sunday, could be a long night. Okay,
1: now there guys always, and we know injuries are part of the game, two weeks into the season now. There are questions about Marion Barber. Give us an overall update on the Cowboys, their health, and, and who may or may not make it into this game.
5: From what I understand, they pretty much made it through unscathed the other night with the exception of Marion Barber. Um, they have him listed as uh, uh, having a quadriceps strain and he's kind of day-to-day right now. They don't know if he's going to be available for Monday night or not. I would say, however, if Barber is anywhere near okay, he's going to play. Uh, he's just that kind of guy. Now, is that going to affect the amount of touches he gets? Probably so. As far as the rest of the group goes, I think everybody else is okay and expect everybody else to play and contribute. Injuries is, is not too big of a concern with Dallas right now, but it is the NFL and you know, one series and on Monday night, and it could be a whole different
1: game. Neither one of us has got to be all that confident. However, we give you a chance to give us your prediction for this big Monday night, Cowboys, Panthers, we'll call it a showdown. Well,
5: I'm typically not big into predictions, but after the team's performance on Sunday night and with what some of the players have been saying, Already this week, I think you all are going to run into a uh, highly upset group of Cowboys, and I think this game probably starts off close. I think probably through the first half, it's probably going to be a pretty tightly played game. But I think in the end, uh, the Cowboys have just got a little too much steam right now. So I'm I'm looking at thirty-one twenty Cowboys.
1: Oh, I don't think you'll get a lot of argument out of Panthers fans this week, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave the prediction at that because I, I think right now we're all really back on our heels. But we appreciate you being with us. Again, that's Philip Baggett of DallasCowboysNation.com. Philip, thanks for being with us.
5: Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it.
3: It's Minner at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. Minner to the 10. Minner to the 5. Touchdown! It's
2: time now for
1: the Mentor View. We are joined now by legendary Carolina Panther, Mike Mentor. Mike, thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, uh, Thanks for having me,
1: John. Let's start with the, something you said two weeks ago, Mike. You'd made the statement, actually right at the end of that segment, you said that you felt like this team was an 8-8 eight and eight team have yes. since that time in these first two games have you seen anything that would change your mind
0: <laughs> unfortunately um, no um, I, I think in the in the first game um, we we came up against a Philadelphia team that was hungry um, that understood the the importance of starting one and0 and um, and it kind of showed some weaknesses on our part uh, which I was afraid of and you know and then in week two we go up to it and play in an the team that i believe is the best uh, team in 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 the south um division and um you know they you know we played them tough i mean our offense came our offensive line played great um but you know we came up short you know they give no prizes for 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 playing um playing tough <laughs> they don't want to give prizes for winning the game and so i i, I look at us and, and then i see our, our schedule and i and i still see the you know the talent that we have on this football team i think we would get better as the year goes on but i still see um you know at best eight and eight
1: and you also had mentioned a phrase that coach fox uses uh the stinger that he wants you to play with this you know, at a certain level with the with a, a certain amount of intensity, do you think that they've they've raised their game since that preseason debacle?
0: Well, you know what? Um, again, I, I didn't see it uh, when we played Philadelphia in Week One at all. Um, you know, last week I saw it out of the offense. I think the offense uh, took a beating um, in the media and 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 also on the radio. So they came out and they played really really tough. With that stinger, I felt um, against Atlanta, but the defense um, looked kind of flat. Um, you know, Atlanta really had their way uh, with with the um, with the defense. Uh, we really we really came up with a couple big plays, um, but you know, with with giving up twenty eight points, it's going to be real tough uh, for us to to win a lot of ball games.
1: And you mentioned the defense. I guess we've talked about this. Well, and this is something that. It seems to be a big area of concern. Anyway, new defensive coordinator, and you and I covered that a couple of weeks ago, but trying to learn that new system, and once you learn it or you get comfortable enough and you hear the, the phrase, you know, where they're, they're playing downhill as opposed to having to think so much, do you see them doing that, or do you think maybe they're, they're still having to, you know, kind of process all of it in their heads before they can make a move?
0: Well, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a combination of two things. One, let me say this: Thomas Davis is playing some great football right now. Um, when I see that defense, I see number fifty-eight running around making plays, and so um, I, I believe everybody needs to step up to his level right now and play. Uh, he's playing downhill. Um, everybody else is, is still looks like you know maybe a step behind. Um, the other thing is. I don't know if we have the personnel in place to run the defense that Coach want to run. Um, again, he, he had to come in here, put his defensive system in with the players that was already there. And so, um, you know, a lot of people got to understand, too, it's certain players that, that need to be in his system in order for it to work. Do we have those players? Right now, that's a big question mark. Um, on this defensive bottom um, squad. Do we have a player? See, the third thing is this. I, 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 I believe that we are not getting any pressure on the quarterback. Why? Because we only have one man that can get to the quarterback. Well, when you have one person that can get after the quarterback and nobody else, then the, the you know, pressure uh, will not come you got to have more than one guy that can get out to the quarterback. And that's even from the linebacker position um, and possibly from the safety position of having guys, when they blitz, they're able to get pressure on the quarterback. And right now, you only have Julius Peppers, and, and people are getting on him about not getting pressure. But, look, man, they sliding the line to him. They protecting. They chipping him. They, they doing a lot of things to him to slow him down. And you have to get into a rhythm. And if you're not into a rhythm, it don't matter how good you are, um, you're not going to be a
1: factor Well, you mentioned that you felt like the, the defense or, you know, the players on defense don't really fit into the system. I guess that brings up kind of a couple of questions. What do you think they're missing? Uh, what kinds of players are they missing for, you know, for that defense? And then if you're missing guys that – or you don't have the right personnel to fit in to the to the system he's running – do you think then, instead of the players being the the ones to fit into it, should he then be changing his, you know, the the way he's handling things?
0: Well, let me let me answer your first question, John. The first question is this: What do we need in order to run this system? We need four horses up front in order to run a cover two um, Tampa defense. You have to have a front four that can handle the run by itself and put pressure on a quarterback with just four people, okay? And you can only stop the run with seven people in the box. And so you gotta have a front four that can that can make it happen up front in order to run that, that cover two defense. Right now we just don't have that. And so uh we, we have to somehow um, in the next um, you know couple years begin to develop getting that up front people ready to rock and roll. Um, I also think we need a you know, a linebacker that that really commands um, you know, double teams, um, and, and really be able to get to that football. See what's happening is those linemen are being able to get up on front on oh, John Beeson and that's slowing him down which is making it very, very difficult. Um, the, the other thing is this, if a coach comes in, he's not changing his style. His style is why they hired him, and and, and, and so what happens is, is players are going to change. Um, so in this league, it is it is like this. The first change you're going to make is the coach. After that, it's going to be players. So we made the change in the coaching staff, all right? So we got a defensive coordinator coming in here and meet. Now all of a sudden, the players going to start to change in order to fit his system. Coaches never come in and change to uh, – you know, fit the players' um, system. Uh, players need to fit the coach's
1: system. Mike, we do appreciate you uh, taking some time to uh, sit down and talk with us this week about a little bit of the Carolina Panthers and the troubles that they're having at this time.
0: Thanks, John, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk. Uh, you know, next, and 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 we'll be we'll be on the winning um, in the winning column.
1: That's right. We need it. We need a W, bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All Mike,
0: right, John, be good.
1: Before we head out this week, let me throw in my two cents worth. Not that it's anything to be proud of, especially considering that I was picking against the Panthers, but I hit the score exactly right last week. Now, if only I can pick Carolina to win Monday night and get that score exactly right. But it seems that there are entirely too many issues with our team to do that. Jake and the offense might just play pretty well and they could have a very productive night against Dallas. The problem now as it was down the stretch last season, is the defense. And compounding the problem is the defensive tackle position. First, chemo. Now, Lewis Leonard. Enter Antoine Burton, a former St. Louis Ram, measuring up at 6'2", 325. Let's hope this helps, but I find it hard to believe that a guy with three years in the league and four career tackles will cure all of our ills. You know, Marion Barber may be out, but that won't stop the Cowboys from running the football mercilessly on our defense. Jake, Smitty, D'Angelo, they might all be able to answer the call, but likely not often enough. My pick, Cowboys 30, Panthers 21. I want to thank Darren Gant for taking time to talk to us this week. Be sure to check out his insights at the Rock Hill Herald. Our thanks to Philip Baggett for taking part in the enemy segment. Philip can be found on the web at dallascowboysnation.com. As always, my appreciation to Nick Yeoman for being such a huge part of the show again this week. If you're missing his vids on YouTube, you're missing out. Check him out by searching for Big Nick 2700. And my thanks to Mike Mentor for being with us once again for the mentor view. Mike, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Don't forget to subscribe to our little show on iTunes and be sure to leave us a review while you're there. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio.
2: In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio.
3: Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game. Three! Than to be in Carolina for a Carolina Panthers